Carson, I've got a question for you. Yes, Eric. You and me are married, and I'm terrible. I'm the worst husband. Also, it's the 17th century in Europe, so, like, I basically own you. You're beneath me in all things. How do you kill me? Very slowly and painfully. But how, though? Well, it depends. Am I angry, or am I just resentful? You can decide that for yourself. Okay, well, if I'm angry, I'd probably bludgeon you over the head with something very sharp and if i was resentful i'd want it to be very slow so i don't i don't know how i would go about that okay would you poison me probably yeah okay poison me and bludgeon me at the same time yeah as as you were dying from the poisoning like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm frothing at the mouth i'd bop you all right like well, a little bunny foo foo i've got some women that you could probably learn from <laughs> My name is Eric McAdams. This is a podcast about incompetence. Each week I tell a friend of mine a story from history involving massive incompetence this week. My guest is three-time returning guest Carson. Three P. Say hi, Carson. Hi, I'm Carson. Say more. Yeah, I mean, typically one talks a little more on podcasts. Hi, Hi, I'm Carson. This is my third time. Um, You can find me on Twitter at Doll Bunyan. We'll we'll give you more of a space for plugs at the end, too. That's it. (laughs) That's all you got? I don't have nothing else to plug. That's cool. All right. What what did we talk about the last couple times you were on here, Carson? We talked about... It was a while ago. It was a while ago. Yeah, you don't have to... The first time, it was really sad. We talked about a guy who basically fucked up his entire life. Yeah. And, then and was he was written... an emperor, so it shouldn't yeah. be that easy to fuck up. Yeah, and then it was written on his tombstone. And then the second sure time, <laughs> we talked about um, a woman getting fed from her father's skull mm-hmm. by her warlord husband, yeah. right? So we're keeping in a good theme. Yeah, well, so, and we talked about last time how you were real big into murder. Yeah, I love murder. Yeah. Big fan. Big and fan. so when I heard about this story while I was researching my last story, I figured you'd be the person for it. That's me. I am Murder Girl. Yeah. Big time Murder Girl. Big time Murder Girl. It's um, like big time Rush, only a little more goth. Big time Murder Girl and big time whoopsies. We, uh, we're going to do the Affair of the Poisons. Um, is that when two poisons really like each other, but they're married Just to other poisons? <laughs> Just little bottles on the side. Sure, yeah, that's yeah, what it is. That, is that what it is? That's yeah, it. okay, it's we're just done. it's just French people taking bottles and going like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's hot and heavy action between bottles. That's cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what does that have to do with history? <laughs> well, the history. <laughs> The history of France is written in sexy times. Um, That's very true. 
So to get to France, because that is where the affair of the poisons took place, we first have to start in Italy. We also have to take a plane. Giulia Tofana was born in Palermo sometime in the early 17th century. Palermo is in Italy. Is it now? Yeah, it is, actually. We don't know much <laughs> about her origins, but Wikipedia mentions that she may have been the daughter of Tofania D'Adamo, a woman who was executed in 1633 on the charge of murdering her husband. Dope. Yeah, cool lady. Regardless, what we do know about Miss Tofana is that she spent a lot of time around apothecaries. She learned how to make potions, medicines, drugs, and poisons, and eventually opened her own apothecary with her daughter, Girolama. Maybe her daughter? We're not actually sure. I bet she had great skin. Possibly. I, there are some accounts that, she, that say Julia Tofana was beautiful. She there are some that describe her as a hag. Well, I bet she knew all the herbs to make her either look like a hag or to make her skin well, gorge. Well, remember that this is the 17th century, so, like, really they're just throwing the spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. That's very fair, yes. Yeah. So, like, this, was, this wasn't that far removed from the time when people were putting arsenic on their skin. Yeah. To stop yeah. the aging process. Yeah. 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 So let's not give her too much credit, is all I'm saying. That would clear up pimples, though pretty well because you know it's killing mm-hmm. you killed pimples yeah you're good gets in your blood and then you get really sick as long as i look hot beauty is pain so she goes to naples with her daughter girl and later rome um, again it's not really clear whether she was active in palermo and escaped some authorities there whether she ended up in naples because of that or whether she had just been in rome active for most of the time in a sleeper cell and... active with poisons and oh, her apothecary active. yeah murderously, murderously active. active yeah active murder wise okay. so julia was sympathetic to the plight of married women as it was the 17th century and women had very few rights being married sucks yeah and married women often got trapped in unhappy marriages i mean yeah yeah So, while she did have a supposedly legit apothecary business, one of her main sources of income was the sale of a poison she apparently created herself. Tell me about this poison. Where can I get it? Is it on Amazon? It's also possible that she learned it from her mother. Cool. Who may have been named Tofania de Adamo. Okay. But we're not sure. Maybe her mom. Maybe this one. Yeah, not actually sure. We're also not entirely sure what actually went into the poison. I wanted a freaking recipe yeah i'm sorry we don't have an actual but we do know that it involved we do know that it involved arsenic and possibly belladonna and possibly also lead although i only heard lead in a couple places yeah right so basically she just took everything that will kill you and put it together yeah a few different things but like we the one thing that we were that we're pretty like that we're pretty sure was in there was arsenic arsenic yeah that was the big one carcinic Creating a tasteless, odorless liquid easily added to water or wine. Julia would openly sell this in vials with the image of St. Nicholas of Berry on them to unhappy wives who wanted to be widows. St. Nicholas of Berry, is he the saint of widows? Attributes, patronage, children, coopers, sailors, fishermen, merchants, broadcast broadcasters, the falsely <laughs> accused, repentant thieves, brewers, pharmacists... Archers, pawnbrokers, Aberdeen. 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 Greece, Russia, Galway, Galway. Hellenic Navy. All right, that's enough. So one of those was uh, pharmacists. Ah, I see. Hence the... uh, She's a pharmacist. Yeah, she was. She had a little coat, too. Probably not. She also gives you a judgy look when you're buying Plan B. What 
Is that? Oh, don't worry about that. That's nothing. There's something very scary on Eric's uh, Eric's open tabs. Yeah, don't worry about it. I'm scared. It's just research for later. So. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so. She made this poison from arsenic, possibly belladonna and lead, which was tasteless and odorless, and she would sell this with the image of this saint on them, which ladies around the neighborhood would know. That's like, the, oh. that's, that's it's like a the, red light. Yeah. That's but how you know. It's got the sure. image of St. Nicholas on it, so that's how you know. Also, she wouldn't just sell this to wannabe widows. She would also send this, apparently, to heirs who wanted to uh, speed up the old inheritance process. Oh, my God. And presumably anyone who wanted anybody dead. Wow. Yeah. Uh, business was booming, and she enlisted the help of three other female workers at the shop. So they've How got this like cool like left in town. Yeah, they, <laughs> no, they've got this like <laughs> cool like female collective going. That's very cool. Where they all just sell poisons for a living. They sound like my kind of women, honestly. Yeah. But then somebody snitched to the Pope. Come on, the oh, I thought you were about to continue and say popo but no the pope no the pope the The papal authorities yes what did the pope say uh julia her helpers and some of her clients were all arrested and many of them were executed in the 1650s uh also yeah also there was torture um some accounts say that julia herself died of natural causes before this and it was just her conspirators who were actually executed and hanged under torture according to some sources either julia or other the other women involved assisted they said they assisted in the murder of 600 men but this is almost wow. certainly not true there's just i mean numbers yeah in that time yeah exactly don't mean so anything. like so like numbers mean nothing murders happen like a bunch in this time period yeah, but what ha- what you see a lot of like i did one about like serial killers a while back that had this can't time period and there okay. were serial killers that supposedly existed that killed like 800 people by themselves while living in a cave like this is a time period where all this stuff got, like, hugely over-sensationalized. Yeah. And also, this information came from torture. So, yeah. like, not true. Almost yeah. certainly. Numbers mean nothing. <laughs> They're just an abstract concept. They it's... are. Torch. Torch. The old torture. The old cheer. <laughs> but the important part of this story for our purposes... Ooh. Is that so began the urban legend of Aqua Tofana. Ah. Which became a legendary Italian poison. That's cool. Yeah, Julia Tofana had this, like, proprietary poison. It became yeah, known as Aqua Tofana, which was known for being odorless and tasteless and not just that but women who used it if they used a precise dosage could like get the exact right time of death for the person they wanted to target that's how the legend went of aqua tofana Uh mozart said that he was probably getting poisoned by aqua tofana when he was dying did he they found arsenic on his sheet music oh shit yeah but also was he very worried about his skin was he using it as a beauty treatment we don't know also the whole rumor is like completely unsubstantiated oh that's a bummer yeah he just I always want there to be more foul play when anyone dies yeah he just he just was like I feel like I'm being poisoned probably that famous poison uh oh that's fair probably just yeah also like it's Mozart he's kind of a shithead he's very uh dramatic let's say dramatic he also literally had a shit fetish didn't he that was James Joyce. No, that was also Mozart, I believe. Him too? He wrote a he wrote a whole song for like his cousin about like her farts. Ew, I didn't know that. 
Gross. Oh, cousin? We're, we're doing. Oh, yeah, of course. Are you kidding? Oh, God. Everyone was obsessed with their cousins. Mozart. Do I have to? Poop song. Mozart poop song. That's what I'm. <laughs> there's, a fucking, there's a fucking Wikipedia page. Called Mozart poop song? Mozart and scatology. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, this is a learning opportunity. I know that this is a tangent, but we gotta talk about it. Well, I wish you good night, but first shit in your bed and make it burst. Sleep soundly, my love, in your mouth, your arse you'll shove. He does have a cannon called Lick im Arsh, Lick My Ass. Ew. (laughs) It's a whole thing. Uh. Yeah, he liked liked poop humor. And also, probably I think poop. just just poop generally. It looks like he was really into like explosive several of diarrhea. Mo- several of Mozart's scatological letters were written to his cousin and probable love interest Maria Anna Thecla Mozart, and these are often called the the Bastly letters, uh, coming letters. from the German ler- coming from the German word for little cousin. Ew! Oh, I hate that. Oh yeah, you didn't know any of this about Mozart. I don't care. I mean, I guess, but, like... No, I... I don't care about James Joyce, but I know what he was into. Yeah, fair. I've read those letters. They're very intense. <laughs> they sure are, aren't so they? mostly into farting, but also he, like, wanted to, like, watch her shit. So he'd, like, lie down and then, like, watch her shit, like, over him, mm-hmm. which is just excessive, in my opinion. Yeah. So, like... this legendary poison begins to circulate. Rumors start to spread all across Europe about the Italian poison... The target would apparently fall ill for days or weeks or even months before finally dying. And, you know, the the traitoress would be just sitting there like, oh, my poor my. husband. <laughs> I feed him every day myself. <laughs> That's how these rumors went. Yeah. <laughs> I basically. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, so, so you or I looking at that may, may go like, that sounds tricky, but I'm sure there's a scientific way to do that. Oh, definitely. And arsenic, you know, low doses do just make you sick. They don't just kill you. Yeah. European people at the time heard about these traits of it and knew that that meant only one thing. Everyone who was sick was gonna die. It meant that whoever was using this poison was a witch. Oh, yeah, that too. Because the only way you could make these kinds of poisons was through witchcraft. Through witchy witch. Yeah. Potions. Through witchy witch. (laughs) Witchness. Witchness. Witchcraft, or if you're nasty, witchery. Oh my god. Miss witchery if you're nasty. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually... That's actually on the Wikipedia article for, like, witchcraft and, like, witch trials. It's like, witchcraft or witchery. Oh my god. That's a real thing. I'm not making that up at all. That's crazy. It doesn't say or if you're nasty. <laughs> yeah, that's not on the Wikipedia <laughs> please, page. Please actually. edit the Wikipedia page to say that. Other myths and legends about poisoners begin to pop up, especially with Italy, thanks to Aquatofana. Like this was a legend. Now this was a thing that happened in Italy. Ooh, Italy. Um, at the and that so at the same cool. time, they were frequently called by the euphemism inheritance powders, <laughs> like powders to get your inheritance. <laughs> For the for the heirs that wanted to hurry yeah, it up, you know. the wannabe widows. So was this poison? Was it a powder or was it liquid? Because there's aqua tofana and there's. I believe it's powder. a liquid. I believe she made it into a liquid. Okay, interesting. for hers, but the poison industry wasn't wanted it bound to, be to that. 
the scariest and most notorious mythical poisons were the ones that were said to be undetectable, well, which left course. no proof that anyone had even been poisoned. Oh. Yeah. One of these was called diamond powder and supposedly was made up of a bunch of tiny sharp fragments. That would shred the intestines, supposedly. How do you crush diamonds? Dude, I don't know. Diamond dust, basically. Diamonds. Or, um, it could have been fiberglass. Yeah, that kind of thing. They probably didn't have fiberglass They made fiberglass. Invented fiberglass just for poisoning. invented fiberglass to kill people. Mm. That'd be a pretty metal backstory for fiberglass. It would. It would. This all went hand in hand with the Italians' already notable reputation for being expert poisoners. They're very sneaky. Apparently. <laughs> this went back for like a couple hundred years before this. Like Machiavellian. They were, yeah, like the whole Machiavelli yeah. courts, the the Venetian council of, of whatever. They were all known for being kind of cutthroat and like apparently poisons went into that. Secrets. Can't have them selling it to other people. Secrets. Yeah. This irrational fear begins to grip sections of European royalty that there are these master poisoners walking among them <laughs> who can kill them like at a moment's notice oh without God. getting any kind of like blowback for it at can all. Can you imagine just like how nervous you would be all the time. And remember, this is also the era of, like, witch trials and witch hunts. Oh my god. So it's not like this was the only irrational panic that was going around. Oh my god, everyone's nerves must have just been shot. Yeah, and so it's still the 17th century, which means that people died for no reason all the time, right? Yeah, But in the early 1670s, one noble family was hit by three deaths in quick succession. Oh shit, you can't have that. Antoine Dreux d'Aubray and his two sons, Antoine and Francois, all died of a painful, violent sickness. An autopsy of their bodies was ordered, and it was found that their innards were a sickly black color. Ew. Yeah. How, were they smoking? I didn't. I didn't see exactly which organs. I don't you think it was all it was of them. Like the pancreas or I think it was like the <laughs> liver and shit. Oh, gross. <laughs> Wait, whoa. Pancreas is like haha, but liver. Oh, gross. That's, yeah, liver's gross. Lungs are fine. Well, lungs are gross too. It's all gross. Lungs are gross. They're big bags. Ew. Yeah. They're. I bet they make. They a, inflate. I bet they make like a. <laughs> like a whoopee cushion. No, like if you like if you pick up a lung. Oh. I, think, I think if you pick up a lung and you kind of like shook it, it would just go. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it'd be super gross. And it's just inside you all the time. Plus, they have those uh, microscopic uh, cilia, so it's like little hairs on the inside. Right. Yeah. I remember when I learned about that in ninth grade, I like felt very uncomfortable, Your and old... so I'd like I'd breathe and I'd go. I can't can't stop. (laughs) It wasn't until 1675 that Madame de Brinvilliers, daughter to Antoine and sister to Antoine and Francois, came under suspicion for their deaths. After she initially ran from the authorities, uh, she eventually was apparently arrested by a cop who dressed up like a priest. That's like supposedly how it happened, which seems a little sensational to me, but whatever. That's like a joke. That's... That's one of those walks into a bar jokes. Yeah. Um, She eventually confessed, apparently not under poison, that she had poisoned her... Not under poison? Not not under torture, sorry. She had apparently confessed, not under the influence of torture, that uh, she had poisoned her family with the help of her lover, Godin de Saint-Croix, 
who had learned from a master poisoner named Exili he had met in prison. Exili. Exili, who was oh, like... Oh, so she was like the bad seed. She was like... Yeah, the dark... She, the, like, the, the, the black sheep. Yeah, she was like, me and my boyfriend who just got out of prison are yeah. gonna kill my fucking family. Yeah, basically. Alright, that's fair. Exili was like the the proverbial, like, Italian master poisoner. Like, oh, he was... Shit. He, there's not a ton of information about him. he was just him. like chilling in prison yeah supposedly he was just chilling in a french prison at one point or and that's where this guy met him into prison just to, to meet tell this guy. everyone just to, hey, meet, just to meet this one girl's boyfriend just be like yo i've got a secret for you yeah. just you though one heard about you poison some dudes yeah i got you they had also planned to murder madame de brinvilliers husband uh, wait yeah her lover wasn't her husband <gasps> i didn't know she was married i thought she was like 16 oh she was very married She's very married. Yeah, very married. Very married. Very married. Uh, but the lover, Godin, had uh, died of natural causes, apparently, before they could finish. Supposedly. Natural causes? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Naturally, the people of France reacted very maturely to all this, this noble one poisoner. I'm kidding. Yeah, they course. They immediately tortured the woman, beheaded her, and then burned her body at the stake as a witch with a huge crowd watching. What'd they do with her head? I don't know. Like, if you just, like, take the body, I feel like the head, there's so much power in the head, so either they, like, mm-hmm. probably, like, put it on a it's stick where the brain or is. something. It's really? a science fact. Look for the brain out. Yeah. Um, but despite having killed this woman, France was not done because suddenly their nobles were gripped with the fear that there might be more like her. And we'll hear more about that after we break for an ad for another show on the Major Cast Network. Do you find yourself unable to watch television? Who has the time? Well, luckily, we do. I'm Liam Sr. I'm Josh Phillips. We host a podcast where we watch old canceled TV for, for you. you. Musty TV, every Thursday on the Major Cast Network. My father says we're crazy. My mother won't talk to me anymore. So before the break, we talked about this cool lady who got killed and how the people of France were worried that there might be more like her. Yes. Yeah. Brinvilliers herself didn't help with this. The, the fear of that there are like a bunch more out there. It sounds like she made it worse. Because possibly. before she died, she basically said, there are so many people doing this. Why am I the one getting punished? Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Oh, wow, that's not helpful at all. So, with the scandalous case making, like, national news, like, all over the country, especially thanks to fucking Brinvilliers not only saying that, but being a noblewoman and doing it, yeah. so she was already, like, so a like, known person, ooh. nobles across France were terrified. I fucking bet. They I began to look back at mysterious deaths in, like, recent years, which at the time had been attributed to illness, and began to suspect them of foul play. Illness. Yeah. It's like, wow, this guy died really similar to how that lady's family died. Oh, shit, dude. King Louis XIV, the Sun King, the guy who built Versailles, basically so he could keep an eye on his loathsome courtiers, was already very paranoid about poison. Have you seen the show Versailles? No. Um, very sexual, but they've got great hair. Great hair. George Blagden looks amazing with Victoria's Secret curls. For more info on Versailles, listen to the previous episode of Big Time Whoopsies, which is all about Versailles. The actual place, not the show. Yeah. No, I just did about the show. <laughs> I just really love this show. I don't know what this 
I know that I know that this is normally about incompetence in history, but I just really want to talk about George Blagden for an episode. He's so pretty. (laughs) My big French boyfriend. That's what that's what we'd call that one. I don't think he's big. Okay, well, I don't know what he looks like. My medium-sized French boyfriend, (laughs) who is actually British. My fun-sized French boyfriend. (laughs) My party-sized French boyfriend. My grab and go French boyfriend. <laughs> Put him in my shirt pocket. <laughs> Just dunk him in my coffee. Oh my god. He was already really paranoid about poison, and he had like two tasters taste everything he had. That's why, like. Is that not what other people do? Is part I of. I always have to have two people taste my food. Yeah, what are their names? Uh, George and Blagden. Is it. <laughs> George Blagden, those aren't our names. Stop calling us that after your favorite actor. <laughs> it's my tiny. My name boyfriend. is Chauncey. Please respect Chauncey. me. Chauncey. It's <laughs> Stop calling me George. I hate that name. Chauncey and Winifred. Chauncey and Winifred. Come here, children. They're very fancy, and I only talk to them. Taste my that. soup. Soup. I'm not a fucking peasant. I don't just eat soup. They would frequently eat soup. So he was already paranoid. And once he heard about the whole Brinvilliers thing, Louis immediately commissioned an investigation to get into poisoning in Paris and Versailles. He literally got one of the most important Parisian police officers to launch a full-scale investigation because some noblemen got poisoned. Oh my god. And apparently... Can you imagine being that, like, chief of police just kind of, like, wandering around this big-ass castle being like, I don't know, maybe... maybe hmm. And apparently part of, like, he had heard about it and, like, I read one article that said, like, he smelled something bad at Versailles and that's what made him go, like, it's poison! Oh my god. The investigation went straight for the occult center of France. What is the occult center of France? Fortune tellers, mostly. Oh, I thought you were gonna say, like, a spot. Like, there's a a Oh, no, no, that's just the industry became clear that there was a whole cottage industry for poisons, black magic, and witchcraft, but the cops didn't get a real hold on the industry until they made one very famous arrest. Catherine Monvoisin was arrested in 1679, so a couple years after the investigation had started. Catherine, my neighbor? She was known as La Voisin. Oh, Monvoisin sounds like. So maybe it was adapted from the nickname? We don't know. What we do know is that uh, Catherine believed that she had occult powers given to her by God himself, and this, coupled with her knowledge of witchcraft, enabled her to have a thriving trade. As divineress, a combination of fortune teller and amateur apothecary. And this made her so popular that she would apparently wake up in the morning to find that there were lines of women waiting to speak with her outside of her house before she even woke up. Imagine waking up, really tired, you got morning breath, your Mm -hmm. face is all greasy, kind of, you know, your hair is probably greasy too because you didn't take a bath because you never take a bath. You're kind of a little hungover, you roll over, look out your window, and there's just a bunch of chicks outside waiting to buy stuff from you like to kill their you, husbands waiting to bother you <laughs> Ugh, it's so annoying yeah she was arrested in 1679 um and this was partially because of her fame 
because she was known to like and there was some quote she is known to every woman in Paris that Ooh, kind of thing because they all know who she is because they not... all gay because <laughs> they all killed their husbands because they all gay sure so she's one of the first big names brought in in the investigation and as soon as she's brought in she immediately starts snitching that bitch weak she starts naming everyone on her client list everyone involved so literally every woman ever yeah saying exactly what they did and who they did it to not to mention her competitors oh my god she was tortured for three days after this and then burned alive and like she basically just shouted names the whole time before that and when she went onto the stake everyone said she was just swearing being like the whole of paris is involved in this business why why is this Shit. me yeah like there are I so swear many too yeah Wearing a fuck time. So this You've got that other chick's fucking head at your feet. You're yeah. screaming and you're like, ah. Lavoisin being like this huge name that apparently everyone knew and like none of the dudes knew about it. That's hilarious. Yeah, this naturally convinced the authorities that there was basically an epidemic of poisoning going on in oh, Paris. Wow. Which is ridiculous, but the the investigation grew even larger, establishing the Chambre Ardente in the bowels of the arsenal to prosecute and interrogate their suspects. They've got the name, the burning room is what Chambre Ardente means. Got the name not because it burned people there, but because it was only lit by torches. Oh, because it was gross? Yeah. And and then in the bowels bowels of the earth? Yeah. The (laughs) bowels? The bowels. The bowels of the earth. Ah, my bowel it's movements. It's pronounced the A-art. While the investigation burned on over 300 arrests. No, sorry. Uh, th- over 300 arrest orders were issued Over four out of over 400 people named in the investigation. And over 200 of those arrest orders were actually carried out. And dozens of people were put to death. Well, shit. Yeah. It I'd narrows it down. I'd love to see a study on that. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to, I'd really be interested in, like, an actual, like, trying to get at the exact facts of it. Because you know that a lot of this is dudes being yeah. like, these are the most evil women mm-hmm. ever to exist. And they killed crazy. four million people on Tuesday. And also, yeah. they inspired every other woman in Paris to do the same thing. Like, you could see some really cool graphs with some of this data. Yeah, and so I'd be really interested to see some kind of, like, real study on it, but... Like, the, rec- the actual record. But mostly, I'm just kind of sifting through a bunch of conflicting accounts for this, so That's take fair. all of this with a grain of salt. As, as, as one does. hmm The nobles were all fine with this, for most of it. They were like, yeah, this is justice being carried out. The, even though a ton of the information was faulty because it came from torture, the details about the actual murders were sketchy. That was stupid. Um, and to this and to this day, I can't say exactly like what murders were carried out because the records that we have are mostly from the mm-hmm. punishing the woman, not like the actual crime that she committed. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. They still didn't even really know what kind of poisons were getting used. There's like some ta- like some idiot scientist was like. Well, the poison she used turned their innards black, but she has these other clear viral vials that I that I gave to some animals, and that killed them without a trace. And like, oh, that's stupid. Yeah. So and so the 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 nobles were like, 
all right, dozens of people are dying and a bunch more are going to jail, but this is fine. Justice is getting done because mm-hmm. it's mostly being done to minor nobility and poor people. Yeah, that is until that. some high-profile nobles were implicated in the investigation. Gosh. That's when Louis was like, hey, can we maybe keep all the records of the investigation on loose-leaf paper? That way, whenever I want to, I can just remove pages that offend me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just as needed, just take those out of there. So then after that, the investigation found that there were people implicated that were in the king's own inner circle, including one of his favorite mistresses. Bad bitch, who was she? All right. Francoise Athenaeus de Rochechouart, Marquise de Montespan, best known as as the Madame de Montespan. Like smoking cigarettes, she had that really... Tense eyeliner and a big hair. By this point, her best years as a mistress were over. She was 40 years old, but she was still a fairly influential figure in the court. She had borne King Louis XIV's seven illegitimate children. That's too many. Right? Uh, a lot of kiddos. And the reports from the investigation said that basically she had become his mistress because she wanted to. Like, she pursued him. She wanted to be his mistress. I mean, who fucking wouldn't? Yeah, sure, I guess. He's a Um, king. Sure. Live in his shit palace. (laughs) Come. Shit palace is the name of my metal band? We can, we can live, we can go to the Hall of Mirrors. (laughs) Don't mind that one or those ones. They're encrusted over. (laughs) Oh, watch our step. (laughs) (laughs) Would you like to see my fountains? We have enough water to power one at a time. Oh my god. That's my Louis XIV impression. So, she basically became his mistress because she wanted to be. Like, she pursued (laughs) after him. And to accomplish that goal, the investigation found that she had done things like black masses with Lavoisin, brewed up special potions, even tried to kill some of her rivals to, like, get them out of power. Still. That's kind of amazing. <laughs> she was um, not executed because, you know, mistress, Cause, cause mistress. special privileges. Special. She was just exiled. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Were they? Oh, my God. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Apparently, I thought I thought she was exiled for this. That came later. At first, they covered this up. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, they were just like, mm, that's fine. Okay. The scandal was so big that the king was just like, look... I know that they suck, and they, like, don't deserve to, like... But I can't have this come back to me, okay? So they were protected for a little while. Eventually she was then exiled and uh, died in obscurity, basically, I believe. Dying in obscurity. Eventually, that's true for all of us. Really sad. So once that happened, King Louis Fourteenth was like, Hey, you know what should end the affair of the poisons? <laughs> hey, you know what? Like... Now this has come back to me, I think we should stop hey, it. Police chief. <laughs> this is getting out of hand. Police chief, can we maybe just pump the brakes? Just pump them a little bit. <laughs> like, I know we killed a bunch of people. I don't know what a break is, but let's for pump this, it. For these witches or whatever, but like, I think we got them. <laughs> I think we got our women. <laughs> we, got, we got them all? I think justice has been served and we don't need to do this anymore. And that's yeah, how the yeah. affair of the poisons ended. Oh my god. Hey, shit. <laughs> It, ends, it all ends with dying in obscurity. I, I think one of the big takeaways from this story is that, like, it literally could not have happened if people didn't believe so strongly that magic was real. That's really fucking cool. But like, also scary. 
Because, like, it's so religious, right? Yeah. They're fucking Catholic, and, like, there's and the... Catholicism is magic. Like, and the official position of the church is that, like, literally when you eat the bread and drink the wine, it's it turns the into the body and the and the blood. Yeah. Like It should be chewier. Like, magic is mouth. real because Christianity has magic, so obviously the devil has to have magic, too. Yeah, everyone's got magic. And without that, like, driving it, like, witch hunts wouldn't have happened, well... Misogyny is still a thing, so like witch hunts probably still some kind of murder of women would, but yeah, yeah, but yes, but like yeah, exactly. Like it comes back to this like magical thinking, like this, this like well, this good ritual has to exist, and like the occult, you can draw a straight line from Catholicism to the occult. Like it's it's not even a line; they're just overlapping. Yeah, it's like it's all there. Like and like the apocrypha of one in, in like affects the other. Like it's. You can't have the affair of the poisons without people believing in, like, magic. Which is really cool. I love history. (laughs) I love history. Also, it says a lot about your society that uh, you've got a whole scandal because women were so fed up with their husbands, that by they and just large. Were like, Fuck it, I'll just fucking kill the that guy. They, I guess. In, that they basically made like a whole mechanism for murder. Yeah, I was like, you know what? All right, I'll just fucking kill him. I, don't care. I, I do take that bit with a grain of salt, though, because, like, obviously all these historical records are written by people who are like, these are the most yeah. evil women ever. So, I don't know. I, don't, I, I doubt very many men were actually killed by this. Yeah, it was. I mean, everyone just died anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I feel. They're all dead anyway. Who cares? They're all fucking dead. Should we move on to, like, a happier one? Yeah. It's still kind of gross, though. I like gross. So I told you, you, you saw that... We talked about poop song. Well, you, you saw that picture I yeah, what had is on that? it. That's what this is. Okay, what is this? So I went to Ireland recently. Love Ireland. And I'm gonna... Was that the bog man? Yeah, we're doing a bog man. Shit, yeah! <laughs> Fuck Yeah! <laughs> Yeah! One of the mm. many. There's not just one. Mm. So, we're, we're doing the Bogman for this pickle for the Knowing Ones. Do you know they found a perfectly preserved cherry in a bog? From That's like, cool. This one's going to get a little grosser. I learned that in my archaeology class in Scotland. So, I went to Ireland recently and I learned a bunch of stuff about Ireland. So, we're really? for the next few episodes of my podcast, all the, pic- all the pickles for the Knowing Ones are going to be about Ireland. That's exciting. I like Ireland. So did I. Um... This one, we're going to talk about the Bogmen. Bogmen! So, I'm not going to talk... So there's the whole concept of Bogmen, which I have to describe for people who don't know about it. If you haven't heard Ugh. about the Bogmen... If you haven't heard about Bogmen, you're fucking missing out. We've found archaeologists and we. historians and... Yeah, I found... <laughs> I personally. Yeah. So, oh, and plus a lot of, like, construction workers also found <laughs> it's these. It's always construction. Yeah. Found, or two teens making out. There are a ton of really well-preserved corpses scattered around Northwest Europe and the British Isles that are found in peat bogs, really well-preserved, and almost all of them were brutally murdered. Oh, shit. I didn't know they were all brutally There murdered. are so many that got... There are also ones of, like, bits of people sewn together. Have you seen those? No, I haven't. Very fucked up. Yeah, it wasn't one of the ones for Ireland. So I went to the National Museum of Archaeology in Ireland while I was there and saw some of them Ooh, on display. Ugly. Yeah. <laughs> they were, we're, like, hot. We're gonna talk... <laughs> yeah, they were, they were really fucking attractive. <laughs> they really just made them up. Yeah, I was like, I had to sit down. I couldn't stand up. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know they have tattoos? 
Yeah, some of them did. I've seen some really cool mummies with tattoos. So, we're going to talk about one specific one. <gasps> He's called Old Krogan Man. He Old was Krogan he was found man. in an Irish bog in 2003. We, we've learned several things from Old Krogan Man. Because um, mostly what we've got is a torso. Cool. From him. Cool. Um, he's got a few notable features. First of all, what we can tell from the torso is that he was about six foot six, which is gigantic for that time. Yeah, it's fucking huge. It's huge for like That's for that enormous. time. Yeah, he was a giant. That's he, like being eight feet now. Yeah, he also had a couple other distinguishing features. One, he had an armband made out of leather, and he also had manicured nails. Um, how did they manicure nails back then? I don't know. He sounds real hot just wait till i get to the rest of it oh my god his body was cut in half he also had an injury to one arm suggesting he might have defended himself however he also this is the really important bit his nipples were cut off did you know that ed gein had a belt made of human nipples no so i bet ed gein did this he's always been alive in 362 bce or he between 362 bce and 175 bce yes he was alive then okay okay yeah i should have i also should have led for that led with that with people Maybe who haven't heard of it um because these bodies are thousands of years old yes. that's why it's so cool that they're well preserved very fucking cool so he had his nipples cut off and it is believed that he was tortured before his statement. That's why I said, you like, know, these little sounds, are ugly. He, he sounds hot. Got an armband, and here's the best fucking part. No nipples. <laughs> you know, I find nipples a huge turnoff on men because they're evolutionarily useless. <laughs> I'm only about, like, like non-vestigial body parts. <laughs> if you could get your tailbone removed, that'd be great. <laughs> okay. Like many of these bodies, he was murdered. <laughs> he was yeah, it sounds like he was murdered dead. brutally, and there is some speculation over why he was killed. The manicured was nails, wheat and buttermilk? the manicured nails, and the armband, and the uh, and possibly the nipples. More on that in a second. Indicate that he was probably of a high social caste. That makes sense in the society. And while there are some theories that say he was sacrificed, there's also a competing theory from specifically the National Museum of Ireland that the nipples weren't part of like a ritual sacrifice. It was a symbol of emasculation because nipples were, they believe that nipples were a symbol of power in men. And so because he was high caste, he like he there show was his nipples. some rival king had to get rid of his nipples to make it clear that he wasn't the big man around town, basically. Fuck you, dude. Yeah, basically, he was like, you can't be king because you don't have fucking nipples. What are you going to say about that, Krogan man? And so, you can't be king because you don't have nipples. <laughs> this guy, you're going to make him king? He well, doesn't even have fucking nipples. Look under his shirt. What are you going to say now? That's right. <laughs> look at that. Ineligible. That's abomination. <laughs> So you know how in some cultures, you know, you kneel before a lord to show fealty or something to the guy? Well, apparently, in Irish culture this oh, time, no. one theory is that they would lick nipples <laughs> to show that the guy getting his, li- his nipples licked was the guy was the most important <laughs> You know that the person who thought of that was just really into it and was like, you know what I'm going to fucking do? <laughs> I'm going to make all these people just... Yeah, give him a little lick. <laughs> oh, a little oh, lick. are you really loyal to me? Will you, uh... <laughs> Will you lick my nipples? <laughs> I'll lick my nipples, though. 
That's fucking hilarious. And that's the pickle for the knowing ones because there are real historians who believe that this happened and I can't not share this with people. That's hilarious. Holy shit. Oh, this is my new favorite, like, historical fact. (laughs) I should say it's specifically the National Museum of Ireland. That's like... They're all pervs then. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just just a bunch of real nasty stuff the National Museum of Ireland. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. Oh. Do have a lot of bodies on display, though. And a lot of nipple talk, so. A lot of nipple talk. Yeah. So that's the end of the episode. Carson, thank you for being on my podcast. Thank you for letting me be on it for a third time. I think that I'm finally hitting my stride (laughs) with this. Finally. Finally Kicking it into gear. How long is... When did I start? Fucking year ago? Yeah, the first one, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, it was about that. That was about a year ago. Wow. Okay, yeah. I think I've... I've made it. Yeah. Yeah, this is it. This is the the way to internet fame, not your the thousands of followers you already have. My name is Eric McAdams, and I changed my Twitter handle recently. I'm oh, you didn't see that? I don't see anything. I am no longer audaciously yours. I am Eric McAdams Ugg on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't get just Eric McAdams or McAdams Eric or any of the just, good combinations. Ugh. Yeah, Eric McAdams. This ugh. fucking guy. Yeah. That's my new Twitter handle, so, I don't know, adjust your schedules accordingly. You can find my personal website, nocaricturesafe.com, and you can find a whole bunch of shit I've written just by searching my name. Eric McAdams. Yeah, that's that's my name. Eric McAdams. Yeah, it's spelled M-C-A-D-A-M-S. Yeah, not M-A-C. Yeah, not M-A-C. Thanks for listening. Say goodbye, Carson. Stop talking, please. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.